Hey, we're going to start a new series today. Uh, there's a big uh, banner for it up in the back, uh, the ministry of Jesus. And uh, this is going to be based on uh, accounts in the New Testament about Jesus' ministry. Now, you know what? We might, you might remember from other things you've read in the past is that, you know, Jesus began his earthly ministry when he was about 30 years old, okay? Which makes me feel real good because, you know, I didn't get started right away in life. I mean, you know, you kind of, some of us, it takes a little while uh, to get going. But Jesus was going, you know, full strength in his ministry when he turned 30 years of age. But here's the interesting thing. Scripture tells us that Jesus was from the beginning. He was from the beginning as the creative word of God and that in him was life and that that light gave light to all mankind. Now, just if we stopped right there, I mean, if you really thought about what I just said, I think we'd all have to agree that with a description like that, then we ought to all want to really clearly understand then who's Jesus. Right? I mean, that, there's a lot there. So, over the next several weeks, we're going to see who Jesus is and why he came and what he did. All of this is provided by eyewitness accounts written down within about 30 to 40 years of uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So now for today, uh, we're going to focus on, this, on the very beginning, though. And so we're going to ask the question, just exactly, who is Jesus? Who he is? So before we go further, let's read uh, the first part of today's scripture, which is from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 18. Um, it will be on the screen behind, or you can follow along in your own Bibles or the ones in the chairs. But John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that light was the light. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh. And it made, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning, concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because 
He was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God. The one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Okay, this first section of Scripture provides a portion of our answer concerning who is Jesus. It clearly tells us that Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. Psalm 33, 6 tells us that it's by the Word of the Lord the heavens were made, by the Word of the Lord. Their starry host in the breath uh, of His mouth. Look, here's the thing. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus has been with God throughout all eternity because He is God. Hosea 1 begins with the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. Well, the word was the source of God's message to his people. The word of the Lord. In fact, to all the prophets, just like Hosea. Psalms 119, verse 11. King David wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Word set forth God's law and established His standard of holiness. And then in the New Testament, Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17, says that the Son, that's Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in Him, in Jesus, in Him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rules or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in, all, and in him all things hold together. That's an amazing statement. And in him all things hold together. Heard somebody say one time, that's like God's glue. <laughs> okay, it's like God's glue. All things hold together. That says he created all things. I mean, I just think it's amazing. John 1, 4 tells us that in him was life. In him was life. And that that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus possesses. He, he is the source of life and light for all mankind. And then in John 1.14, it said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The, Jesus is the word of God become flesh, become human. That's got to be like the greatest miracle of all time, of all, of all history. The Word became flesh. And then in Colossians 2.9, it says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is crazy. I mean, this is really amazing stuff. That, you know, Jesus was fully God 
and fully human simultaneously. And being fully one did not diminish him being fully the other. Finally, what's amazing is that even though he created everything, even though he created everything, it tells us in Scripture that when he came, his creation did not recognize him, did not receive him. No matter, Jesus is the Word of God. Okay, that's number one. Jesus is the Word. Now, let's see what else Jesus is by reading our next portion of Scripture, and that continues on in John chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. It says, now this was John's testimony, John the Baptist. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, well, who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? No. Finally, they said, well, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied with the words of Isaiah the prophet. He said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. He said, they said, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah nor a prophet? He says, well, I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Jesus is not only the word, as we saw earlier, but he is also the Messiah, the Lamb of God. These verses explain that John the Baptist was sent by God to be a forerunner for the Messiah. Jesus made it, uh, John made it clear to everyone who asked. He said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not. Okay. But that he was to be considered as the voice of one calling in the wilderness to make straight the way for the Lord. He was quoting Isaiah, as he said. It's interesting that the Pharisees came to find out, to ask John the baptizer, 
who he was. And it would have been real easy for John to say, well, let me tell you all about me. Right? But what John did, they wanted to find out who he was, but John wanted them to know who Jesus was. John 1.27, John said, He is the one who comes after me. This is an amazing statement. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now, in those days, dealing with somebody's dirty sandals that they've been walking on a dusty road in, that was a job that was only performed by the lowest level of servants. That was, nobody wanted that job. Okay? And John said, I'm not even worthy to do that for him. That's who he is. The other thing that's interesting to me about John's testimony about Jesus is we got to remember, John the Baptist was actually Jesus' cousin. Okay? They were, they were family. When they, and, and John was only about six months older than Jesus. And so, I mean, we don't know, but I think it's kind of reasonable to think that they've kind of known each other at least a little bit, like all their lives. But then John 1, 31 to 34 makes it incredibly significant because John, remember he said in that verse, it said, John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know that he was the Messiah. I didn't know who he was. But when God sent me, he said, the one on whom my spirit remains. And he said, so John tells us, he says, I didn't know my own cousin was the Messiah. We never think it's family, right? I guess. You know, but I mean, he said, he said, but think about how close he had been to Jesus. All of these years, possibly. I mean, we, again, we don't know how much interaction they had, but I would assume they at least knew something about each other. But, but he says, I didn't know who he was until the events of Jesus' baptism. And then he was revealed. You know, the other thing for us to remember, too, that this, this was not the only public announcement that Jesus was the Messiah. About 30 years earlier, when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, verses 8 through 11, do you recall? It says that there were shepherds out living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel of the Lord said to them, Don't be afraid. I've got good news for you that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. These shepherds were watching over a flock of temple lambs. Lambs that would be eventually used for sacrifice in the temple. God sent his messenger to these shepherds since a new lamb 
had been born. The Lamb of God had just been born. A new sacrificial lamb that needed to be inspected by these particular shepherds to be confirmed as acceptable for sacrifice. Clearly, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. And it's been announced several times. So finally, let's read the rest of John 1, verses 35 through 50. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by. And he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. So they went and, and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought his brother to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. So now, in this last portion of Scripture, we also see that Jesus is our teacher and our king. He's the heart of the gospel. He's our perfect example. He touches hearts. He stirs spirits in a way that calls for a response. After his baptism, first thing he did, as we saw, his first action was to begin his earthly ministry by building his team calling his first disciples. There in John 1.43, it said the next day Jesus was going to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, and he did. I mean, just think about that for a second. Somebody he didn't know walked up to him and said, follow me. And with that, he was willing to lay down all of his other life, all of his plans, all of whatever he, had, he thought he was going to be doing later today 
and he followed Jesus. Can you imagine? For that to happen, can you imagine the stirring that must have gone on in Philip's heart when Jesus said, follow me? For him to literally, I mean, think about you and your life and your plans and your schedule. For someone, if someone said, follow me, and that you would literally just, okay, and leave it all behind, set it all aside, it would take something life-changing, wouldn't it? It would have to be powerful. So imagine what must have gone on in Philip's life when Jesus said that. Actually, Jesus is still doing the same thing today. He's still calling every one of us, isn't he? And he's saying, follow me. Follow me. Jesus provides us with an example of how to live. He issues us a call to follow him, and he provides the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. Jesus is the ultimate teacher and our eternal king. Look, now that we've kind of got this clear understanding of who Jesus is, right? He's the word. He's the Messiah, the Lamb of God. And he's our teacher, our king. Then we have to ask ourselves, well, then what am I going to do? I have this information. What am I going to do with it? Right? What am, how am I going to use it? Well, the first thing, obviously, we want to do then is we want to receive him as our Savior and Lord. John 1, 10 and 11 says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. His own people rejected him. We don't want to make that same mistake. So we want to receive him as Savior and Lord. The second thing we want to do is we want to trust him with our lives. You want to trust him with your life. You know, I'm really glad to know this, but, you know, I don't... My life or your life is not too complicated for Jesus to be able to understand it or to help you. Aren't you glad to know that? I mean, sometimes life can feel like, you know, you know what we tell, if somebody else tells you something, you go, yeah, but you don't understand, right? Isn't that one of our answers? But you don't understand what I'm going through. You ever said that? You know, you don't, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've been. You, you don't know the problems I'm facing. You, you don't know what my job is like. You don't know what my home life is like. You don't know how I got treated. Your, do you see what I mean? We, a lot of times in our lives, we, we say that to people as a way to kind of not have to listen to them, right? Aren't you glad to know there is nothing, there is nothing you could ever tell Jesus where he'd go, well, that's a tough one. I mean, aren't you thankful for that? Where he'd go, you know what? Uh, that one I'm going to have to think about. No, there is. He created everything that exists. So if it exists, he created it. That means he knows how 
to move it around and shift it. Do you understand what I mean? It's like if you had built your car, literally, if you had built your car and made all the pieces and put them all together, no matter what would go wrong, you go, oh, well, that's obviously the third bolt from the left down here because I know right where I put that. I mean, I created it, right? In your life, there is nothing going on in your life, whether it's got to do with family, friends, the past, jobs, finances, health. Make the list as long as you want. Jesus knows what you're going through, and he's got the resources and the wisdom and the ability to help you through it because he is your creator. That is wonderful news, isn't it? So we can, we can turn our mess over to him. We can turn our mess over to him, and he can help. So today, you can ask him, to help you, to forgive you, to transform you into a new person, to, to make you new in Him, spiritually alive and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can trust Him with your life. And then finally, you can bring other people to know Him as well. You know, in, in John 1, 41 and 42, remember what it said? It said the first thing that Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him. We found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. We ought to all be like Andrew and bring the people around us, people that we know. It's one thing to say, oh, go out and find strangers. Just start with the folks you know. Start with family, start with neighbors, start with coworkers, and just... Here's the thing. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. Just tell them what he's done for you. There's nothing like sharing your own personal experience. So, let's, now that we know who Jesus is, let's not fail to respond by receiving him as Lord and Savior, trusting him with our lives, and then helping others come to know him as well. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to close? Everybody just bow your heads. Nobody looking around, okay? But today, if you'd say, you know what? I'm ready. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to, for the first time maybe. I, I don't want to carry this mess all on my own. I want to trust it all to him. I want to give him my complicated, messy life, and I'm going to ask him to make it new. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Now, there may be parts of your life, you might have been a follower of Jesus for a while, but there may be parts of your life that you've just had a hard time completely trusting him with. But today, you'd say, you know what? I actually want to give Jesus that one piece over here that I have not been trusting him with, and I want to ask him to help me. I want to learn, I want to be able to trust him more. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, amen. Lord, today, you have seen our hands and you know our hearts. And Father, today, we say we receive Jesus for who he is. We're so thankful that Jesus is the Word of God, that He is the Messiah, and that He is our teacher and our King. And so, Lord, today we join 
our faith and we receive him as our Lord and Savior. We want to trust him fully, Lord. We want to trust you with our lives. Lord, we lay down all the issues that we have at your feet. And Lord, we just pray that every day we would be ready, willing, and able to share your love and what you've done to us, done for us, with those around us. In Jesus' name. And now may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.